Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, the headlines, of course, are about the fighting over whether Republicans or Democrats will control Congress after the midterm elections. But there's another story, an unreported story, or at least an underreported story when it comes to politics. And that has to do with what are those big anchors on those candidate boats? Interestingly, it's not what you think. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Now, one of the things that has historically been able to look at in terms of how do you predict how a midterm is going to shake out, and usually it's kind of looking at the incumbents. Incumbents uh, tend to win at a rate of over 90%. Uh, We keep sending them back over and over and over again. This year, however, we are on track for a record number of incumbents in the House, both Democrats and Republicans, that will lose their seats in primaries. So what does that mean for the midterms? It's a really important uh, thing to be looking at, and it's really unprecedented uh, in a very long time uh, to see this many incumbents being challenged within their own party. So the 2022 midterms uh, will see losses by House members uh, in primaries. Again, this is over 30 years and, and running. And so let me give you just a little breakdown. This actually came from Andrew Solender uh, from Axios. And he talked about uh, some of these uh, just very interesting races where you have incumbents losing in primaries just at this unprecedented rate. Uh, so this is the kind of the state of play, as he laid it out, that there are 11 House members who have already lost their primaries so far, seven Republicans, four Democrats, uh, and there are some interesting common threads. This is what you kind of have to think again about. So in some of those races, they have been incumbent versus incumbent. And what I mean by that is obviously we had redistricting or reapportionment taking place because of the last census. So there were 10 House members who were forced to actually compete against one of their colleagues for a new district that had been created in their state or maybe a lost seat because of a decline in population. So there were a number of those, a number of Democrats lost to another Democrat Uh, as a district, for example, was uh, merged, two districts really merged into one, or as, again, they redrew the lines there, so to speak. Uh, One of the other interesting things was kind of the progressive versus the moderate. So you had uh, progressives like Representative uh, Andy Levin from Michigan and uh, Marie Newman from Illinois. They lost to far more moderate colleagues uh, on one hand, 
And then you had the flip side of that. You had uh, Kurt Schrader from Oregon, a Democrat, who lost to a very liberal primary challenger. So, again, even within one party, uh, in, in some cases, you're seeing parties go further to the left. And then some you're saying, no, we want to swing to the middle uh, and have a little more moderate candidate. So that's a fascinating thing to look at. Uh, you also have uh, cases where you had former President Donald Trump's endorsement uh, toppled a few incumbents who broke with him on impeachment, uh, major legislation, and so on. Uh, you also had some uh, some interesting ethics issues as well, uh, where they uh, ended up losing in a primary. Uh, and so there's just a number of those races that we have to kind of dig into. And uh, just coming up in the coming week, there are going to be some really interesting ones. We know that uh, next week our nearby neighbor, Wyoming, is having their primary election. And currently, as it stands, Representative Liz Cheney uh, is actually the underdog for her primary election. That's an August 16th primary uh, versus a a Trump-endorsed challenger, Harriet Hegman. And and that's going to be an interesting one. Uh, Obviously, Liz Cheney has been very outspoken against the former president. She has sat as the co-chair or the vice chair, excuse me, of the January 6th commission. And uh, the numbers kind of uh, vary a little bit. Of course, Wyoming only has one member of the House, so there is only one congressional district, the state of Wyoming. Uh, But the polling has varied from Liz Cheney being down by as many as 22 points, uh, which almost puts it out of reach. I've seen other polling where it's maybe a little closer than that, maybe more in the 15-16 range. Doable, but very, very difficult. Uh, so I think that will be an interesting one to watch as we get into next week. And uh, I'm actually going to make a, a prediction. Uh, we'll get into this a, a little later and as we get into next week that I think uh, Liz Cheney will use a speech. We always talk about the two speeches that you write. Uh, you write the victory speech and you write the concession speech, uh, or as I would always call it, the but if not speech uh, that uh, you may have to give. And I think for Representative Cheney, uh, again, I I don't see a real path for her to win at this stage, possible always in politics, because uh, in a primary that's in the end of August, yeah, you just never know who's actually going to show up and cast the vote. So it's really tough to predict. Uh, but if she does lose, I think her concession will also include the launch of something very national. Uh, maybe a run for the presidency. Some have suggested that. Uh, some of my sources are saying, yeah, she'll definitely do that. Or it may be that she's just launching a, a national new institute or think tank or or something to kind of capture what she has been working on and where she thinks things need to go across the country. Now, we've also uh, been watching uh, for next week. Uh, there is a race, a Democratic race in New York, uh, where you've got an incumbent Uh, Mondaire Jones, who's facing a real uphill battle in a very crowded Democratic field uh, in a new district. Again, some of that redistricting as some of the population continues to shift and it's shifting away from places like New York and Michigan that uh, they've combined some of these things. So you have incumbent versus incumbents. Uh, So it's all very fascinating to look at there. Um, So if you if you play it all out, uh, if you look at uh, Larry Sabato's crystal ball, which is usually a pretty good indicator of where things are, uh, it would you would end up with uh, some 14 incumbents losing in primaries this year. And uh, that would be something really significant. 
The bigger thing for me, I think, in terms of what we're actually watching and what we're likely to see moving into the fall is where does the conversation shift? Uh, We know that in intra-party squabbles, uh, things tend to shift more to the left for the Democrats and more to the right for the Republicans. And the question will then be who can make the pivot uh, into the middle, into that center space where you're more likely to win in November in a general election. And so that will be the test in a lot of these races across the country. And again, a lot of these are new districts, again, based on the latest census, based on a lot of redistricting battles. We've had some of those redistricting battles here in the state of Utah. They've been happening all over the country. And of course, it depends on which party is in charge. You have some places uh, that are controlled by Democrats. And of course, Republicans have filed lawsuits that the drawing of the maps were not fair. And then you have some red states uh, controlled by Republicans and Democrats are filing lawsuits uh, saying the drawing of the maps were unfair. Uh, And so that's always going to happen. And that'll that'll continue to happen. Uh, To me, the bigger question is, uh, what is the model? What is the message moving into November? And I think the we always talk about the very important pivot in politics. And I always put as the pivot point is Labor Day. Uh, Everyone's still just kind of working their way back from summer vacation right now. School's going to start next week for a, a lot of places across the country. Families kind of settle back into routine. We all kind of settle into that fall grind of things. And that's usually when people's attention starts to pivot towards the November the election. And so I really believe that in many of these races that really will determine control of the House and the Senate in Washington, D.C., I think it will be dependent on who has the message and who has a forward-moving message. Uh, I believe the backward-facing messages, fighting the last war, is a losing proposition, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. Uh, We often say that it is uh, one thing to have baggage. It's another thing to have luggage. Uh, Luggage is what you take with you when you are going somewhere. And I think the parties and the politicians and the candidates who have luggage and are going somewhere with a vision that can invite people to come along and join Uh, they will have the advantage and they will be most likely to win come November. I think those candidates and those campaigns that are heavily backward facing on baggage, baggage issues from the last election, from grievance, from all of that, uh, I think they're going to struggle come November. All right, we're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. And uh, when we come back, we'll kind of reset, refocus, get back on track here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.